0: Hello, everybody. I'm Colborne Bell, back with another episode of NFT Sundays with the artist Martin Lucas Ostachowski, sir. Pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Colburn. Always a always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, um, you know, these series of interviews that we do with the Museum of Crypto Art and Dementi are really looking at. Uh, kind of answering the question for people, where is the art in the NFT space? Uh, And beginning to facilitate, you know, this dialogue between the contemporary art world and the emerging crypto art scene. Um, And, you know, thankfully, I think there is nobody more knowledgeable uh, (laughs) as to where the art is than you yourself. Um, So I would love for you to just, you know, begin... Say a little bit about yourself, uh, explain how you found NFTs, crypto art, uh, and what it was all kind of like in the beginning for you.
1: Sure. So, I started out as a traditional artist, I painted, it a lot with paper, um, had always like this this fascination for really, really long and tedious processes, um, which I kind of continue now in yeah. digital art. Um, <laughs> I'm <laughs> and it, it kind of also goes with the timeline, right? Like these long, enduring projects meticulously. I don't know, I'm kind of drawn to it. Um, but in, in around 2017, I got interested in crypto in general as like a currency. Um, I was reading a lot about them. And I started you know, to see, as I read more and more about it, the, the technology behind it, right? That it's, okay, it's not just, Just money. It's really like a technology or an application platform which allows a lot of things. So I was curious to see what are like use cases for the art world. And that's how I stumbled upon you know the first registries and like monograph and things like that. And that's how I also discovered some of the um, crypto platforms right after they were founded and was fortunate to join them. What it did to me, though, is I shifted my practice tremendously versus or towards the digital. I was um, always hesitant. I was always using digital tools to create my work because if you spend so much time working on your pieces, you know, weeks, months, sometimes years, um, if you don't have a good idea how the composition or the end result will look, you're going to waste a lot of time and energy. Um.
0: (laughs) let's let's talk about your i mean your pieces are consistently thematic right when you see a piece you know it's martin's piece um and yeah it's it's just beautiful so you know how did you begin to to do this work what inspired you uh i know this story but i think everybody else should as well
1: yeah. So I th- when I started out, I started kind of with visualizations, right? As I started to understand concept in the space, I tried to visualize them because I always thought that, you know, it's going to be important for inclusion in future. So I, I started developing a body of work which uses art mm. to explain the technology. Um, it does it sometimes with humor, sometimes, you know, it's just mostly visual, which, which kind of attracts people, but then you can basically dissect complex processes. And um, as I continued working in this field, um, what really struck me is like to see the symbolism between clouds and the blockchain, right? For me, the clouds really was something which I was always interested in. You know, like I've been, I I was living in three countries. I was moving like over 30 times. Um, So the one constant in my life was always the sky. Um, you know, you were never really deeply rooted to a physical place, but like, you know, the travel, the, the sky, that was always something which which I took with me and was always mm. um, part of me, right? So I felt always more connected to the sky than actually to a place. Um, and then when I started you know, playing with or exploring the blockchain, I thought like, okay, it's such a beautiful symbolism, which you have in the cloud, it's a constant transformation, you know, as the blocks are added to the chain, it is it is basically constantly evolving, it is fast paced, it's intangible. And I thought it's like a great symbol for like the the fragility of the space, you know, because at the end of the day, it is a manifestation, right? It is We see the value in it or we derive value because it's like a lot of people agree on it. And the moment people would stop believing in in crypto as a technology and crypto as a currency, you know, and they would disconnect their nodes. Basically, this whole ecosystem would collapse and everything could dissolve like a cloud again. So I use that as a symbolism and um, play with it, you know, as a medium, as like a symbol. I use cloud photography, videography, and, and try to always incorporate the cloud.
0: Look, like, I love the beautiful symbology of the cloud, right? Like, I am also a window seat person. I have that window up. Like, everybody hates me. Let the light flood in. Like, I'm looking out the window to take that, like, you know, 10,000-foot view of the landscape below to kind of, like, remember this as, you know, like, the the smallness Of all of us down here trying to like effect that change but then also like entering the ethereal state of being in the clouds um Mm -hmm. and you are right about this community like it is nebulous it is always shifting values are changing like different things are happening where it, it has to be fluid um Mm-hmm. And, and that idea of the state of water in its vapor, constantly transforming, I think is just like a beautiful, beautiful symbol. Um, but it's an it's an elegant one as well. Right. And it speaks to the aspirations yeah. and the motivations. Um, and maybe like because you were so early to this space, maybe you can kind of speak to. Um, You know, what were your early aspirations and visions and who were also some of the luminaries that you found alongside of you uh, that you identified with kind of their value set?
1: Sure. So um, I think I just wanted to mention that I I totally get that with for me, the, the biggest moment in the flight is when you cross basically this this cloud. You know, right. when you exit it, like it doesn't matter what happened before. Once you break through it, this is where it happens, right? And I think the the concept I like is like it is borderless. Mm. You know, it's like it is international. It is like, and it's so symbolic for this for this crypto community, right? Like, because it doesn't matter where people come from, what their background is. Once you're in the space, it's like you're breaking through these clouds, and you know, we are like everybody's a stranger and a friend and, and right. at the same time, you know, so I have really kind of em- embrace that. But when I started, when I first started, I thought um, I saw mostly three aspects of it. I think um, it was for me the first time I saw really mm. the potential for digital art, um, you know, as somebody who wanted to, you know, grow his art career, um, I kind of neglected digital art really before i discovered crypto art because i found that you know there was hardly any opportunity aside from like few you know commissions or like um you know very very scarce opportunities to exhibit and it was also kind of like living a paradox right you have like a digitally native product or Mm -hmm. like not product but like an artwork and then you're forcing it into a physical medium because that was the only way back then to work with it, right? And I think that's also where I really enjoy what you know what, what you're doing with, with the Mocha is because you're not trying to force it into our current perception of how art should be displayed or how we interact with it, because you know, this is you wanna keep it in this in this digital state, which I find is so um, fitting. But yet still very provocative or um and, new and, and unstable like Unlike,
0: people. you know, traditional static museums of the past that existed in the physical, like we have continued to mm-hmm. evolve, shape, and grow and explore different elements of what this again, like a very ethereal space. Um, it's it's emergent and constantly changing. But I I agree with you that digital artwork needs natively digital display and for me that has never been about like a mm-hmm. television screen it's never been about like experience something on your phone you need the the depth and the immersion generally i find that virtual reality provides um and you mm-hmm. need like the size scope and scale and like reawakening of imaginative wonder like there the phrase is head in the clouds like quite mm-hmm. literally, like you, we need to get out and break people out of conventional ways of thinking. And for me, that's always what this was about. I'm, I'm super curious because you were in this space much before mm-hmm. me. Um, and you guys laid a ton yeah. of philosophical groundwork that I really learned from. Um, so who mm-hmm. for you was like helping guide this thought leadership especially in the ways that, you know, blockchain could come forward and empower artists um, and, you know, kind of power uh, digital arts as a as a new market?
1: Yeah, I think it was really the entirety of the community because it was back then so small, you know, yeah. you imagine like all the super artists and super and the collectors were all in a Telegram group and they were actually possible to have a conversation because, you know, it was just a handful of people, and you know the, the the feed of new artworks was like one or two pieces a week. Right. You know, like this was the pace. The space was was starting, um, so you could have really like meaningful conversation in there. And I think out of this early community with this first artist, you know, we kind of or like most of us, we we just kept talking, right? We, we exchanged artworks because they yeah, weren't really yeah. collectors. <laughs> um so my, you know the, the first pieces i collected were all exchanges with other artists and this is something which i still try to do today because i think this is still you know it's such a part of this this whole crypto spirit you know like it's like hey i dig your work you like mine like let's forget about this you know like bidding and whatever let's just exchange you know let's see and, and, and start a friendship or a discussion or a conversation even if it's just mm-hmm. a visual one right and and out of these discussions and collaborations evolved and other things, but I think if you want to have some some names, it was it was really all over. I mean, um, one of the person who really put things together and and was the initiator then or both became one of the you know crypto art position papers was Massimo Francese yeah. or, or Hex6C. He um, he initiated kind of like this this first crypto art decentralized view paper. Um, he wrote that he started writing that with another data scientist in um, in Amsterdam. And um, it was funny because he 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 showed me the paper and asked like for a little feedback and I came back with like <laughs> such a catalog of of suggestions that he says, hey, maybe you just want to yeah, be co-author. Yeah. <laughs> And and I said, okay, sure. And then, you know, this whole concept evolved from like, seeing it just like from our perspective, it was like really including the perspective of everybody at that nascent state, you know, so he included crypto, uh, like, really traditional art historians. And, you know, Blake had brought up a point which I found very interesting which she compared basically crypto art Mm. a lot with concept art, you know, where you embrace um, the concept over the 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 file you know which was kind of like also like advocating towards like that the token would be part of the artwork um you had like you know galleries like Super and known origin two of the were became co-authors and tried to basically um create their point of view as like you know a kind of like a different approach because you know it's it's quite a um different from an artist's point of view right where you were headed and i think even um sebastian from um the yeah. Decentraland, right um he's also like one of one, one large collector with the Momus collection he also participated and brought kind of the point of view of a collector into the space and i think that was that was i think for me the first time we really tried to grasp what is this all about and moving forward, you know, because we had to kind of conceptualize it, contextualize it and really put it into words and ideas. And so I think that was for you. I was just going to ask real quick,
0: uh, you know, where I believe it's on hex 6c's medium page, right? But where can people begin? Is it also self-hosted? Because this is, this is a fundamental text, right? This is, yeah.
1: Yeah. It was, yeah, it was published first in the Arxif, um, which is like this free academic directory, which is I think is uh, hosted by Cornell University. So they're basically all um, academic papers which are freely accessible. It's it's there, and um, then last year in August, um, the Leonardo Journal, which is kind of like a peer-reviewed art and text journal, they also published it in an abbreviated form. Um, Yeah, but it was it's it's fun, because when I reread my contribution in that paper, and I kind of tried to outline, you know, what I see as an artist for it seeing it like a as like this vehicle, which could drive digital art into the traditional art world, which I still find to some extent, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) or I hope at least. Then, you know, I saw it like really as like this unique marketplace for digital art, which, you know, which I find very difficult is a lot of artists have to work a long time to the point where they really can have some sort of um, opportunity to sell their art and get some sort of like, you know, incentive to continue. And I found with crypto art, you know, you had like such an opportunity to cut this year long process short, you know, like. If I look at it took me like two, three years before I really was able right. to sell physical artworks. And, and that is a period which you know a lot of people who are like right out of university or or in whatever situation they are, that's a lot of time to invest in without having anything um to show for if you want to, you know, if you want to grow it towards like your career or whatever. It's like it's like a long stretch. And now we have crypto art here with a marketplace which right. brings you directly to the collector. You don't have this artwork funnel of like a gallery system which kind of you know rewards you based on your cv which you're trying yeah. desperately to develop uh, there you have basically now these marketplaces which rip apart this this tube of this funnel and say like hey we connect you now with with potential collectors other artists other people hey you're gonna they're gonna see your work and, and secondly you also might mm. be able to sell it. And I think that was unique for me, seeing it to be able to, you know, make a living at such an early stage mm. in your career if you want to. I,
0: I think, uh, you know, something that is incredibly interesting and people miss is, was like the depth of an academic subculture within this, right? People were like, mm-hmm. I, I even remember Super Rare saying very early on that like they were just obsessed with the transparency of the data, right and Mm -hmm. you know it and art gnome as well right publishing and and talking Mm -hmm. about data and bringing transparency and there is you know such an interesting double-edged transparency to these markets um that plays of course with like the anonymity of wallets and people complain about wash trading but um maybe we can we can speak to that like just taking it back to like its essence and its core you know i think you talked briefly about like one of the things that attracted you to crypto art we've talked about the disintermediation we've talked about like direct market access uh what else you know do you find and and, like how do you feel about this issue of transparency
1: i think i think maybe another point before we go into transparency was for me was the huge community aspect you know it was like it was, it was at least in the very beginning, and this is something which I think with this growth period, we we're doing a little bit, but it was like really this sense of, you know, a global community of artists which are in, in similar positions, which are interested, which are exploring a new medium and are openly sharing, openly celebrating each other's successes and failures, you know, trying to help each other and, and collaborate. And that was something which, You know, which is, which I found it was like a very, very big Mm. component to it for me. You know, like I found kind of um, friends, right? Which, with whom I still talk, with whom I still collaborate, with whom I still exchange artworks, even like almost four years later, you know? And, and, and everybody's busy, but we still kind of go back and and chat. and, And that is this community aspect, I think, extremely underrated. Um, it's extremely important, I think. As we are, are growing, we have to find a way to bring that somehow back because, you know. Yeah, we I mean, talk talk about
0: that more because I also came into that culture, and I came into a culture where you know an artist would make a big sale for a thousand dollars, and then they would come back and they would spend you know two hundred bucks on another person's art, two hundred bucks, you know, a hundred bucks, and they would give like a lot of that back and just show that love, appreciation, and support. Um, so, I I also have lately felt perhaps that is lost, and you know a lot of people are yearning for that. Um, can you just like speak to the power and importance of that? I know you have been. Um, yeah, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I th- definitely. I think we. Um, you know, we we had some sort of support system, you know, like which we had like this community where people could address questions, which was very welcoming to new people. And it was basically a a give and take Mm. mentality of everybody in the space. And I find now, you know, as we are growing fast, and I'm not talking even about like corporation and celebrities, but there's a lot of new people coming in, which are really actively seeking to extract and don't contribute. And I think that for the people who want to contribute, we have to create these environments again, where they can feel welcome, where they can feel home, where you know, where they can um, find help, support, and also you know, a community which is interested in their art, in them, mm-hmm. and is like mutually helping each other, right? Putting together things, together shows, together organize events. Um, you know, like crypto voxels shows or whatsoever. Right. This is how it started, right? It was just artists saying like, hey, we want to exhibit something, let's put something together. And I think that mentality is, is something which I see right now a lot in these PFP projects, which I think that, you know, driven for me, at least with this environment of the pandemic, this is really one of the success factors is that people find this community there because they have instantly something in common. So I'm thinking recently a lot about like how can we create this sense of community mm-hmm. back for crypto artists you know and have have create this, this kind of environment where you know you, 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 you have this sense of belonging in a time where it might be difficult for a lot of people and where, where it's mm-hmm. fun for you to be part of too.
0: Gosh, there's there's so much to I don't know how macro we want to get, but um, (laughs) there's a lot to impact there, of course. Like so much of the growth of this industry was fueled by everybody being at home and everybody feeling Mm -hmm. uncertain and all of these, you know, restrictions and implementations that governments kind of placed on the world and, Mm -hmm. and being fearful at a time and like we came together again it was like loving it was supportive it was fun enjoyable you know we were going into new spaces with new friends and um and back to your comment earlier like it was truly borderless right we we think Mm -hmm. about the friends that we've made and it's like mexico italy argentina like all over the world brilliant minds coming together in this idea of like global communal villages um Mm -hmm. And, you know, all all to say that I don't know if that has been lost, but there was certainly, like, a gambling and addictive element that came together uh, and did... I don't know exactly what the question is because I think, again, it's incredibly nebulous, but something that always came to me... That I'm not sure I necessarily agree with was the, the hierarchy of like NFT art, crypto art, uh, that, sh- that you put together. Do you want to maybe mm-hmm. kind of like explain that classification and, and how you see sure, all sure. of these projects kind of fitting in?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I think education is one part of it. Um, that's why I, I try to spend quite some time in, you know, I'm reworking right now the definition model mm. and and try to kind of draw the history more from uh, in in less in a timeline but also like in a text form based mm. where i want to kind of you know focus a little bit on the values which kind of formed this space right, right? because i think if i just start with with your question because i feel like going off tangent again <laughs> um so the way I always saw it is like, for me, NFTs is really not more than a vessel for digital mm-hmm. assets, right? Because the NFT, the NFT definition has expanded so vastly in the last few years. You know, we have now wearables, we have metaverse properties, we have rights, we have licenses. So NFT itself right. is not equal to art. And NFT art is, is, is kind of like mm-hmm. a subsegment for me for crypto art. Because there's a lot of a lot of um artworks which are for instance fungible. And I think that is a distinction which is a lot of people still don't understand the difference between fungible and non-fungible. Um, you know, having something which has like the equal face value of something else, like any yeah. any coin or or and then you have like an artwork which could not be exchanged for the same value. And I think people not being familiar with that, everything becomes an NFT, which is basically related to crypto. And that's, I think the distinction where I think crypto art is, is maybe the better term, because not only would we capture these fungible tokens, you know, like these, um, these coins, artistic mm-hmm. coins or, or um, social tokens, but we also have the idea of like, what, what about art, which is not tokenized? What about like smart oh, yes. contracts? What about like, you know, other, elements of digital art, which are just conceptually fused to the blockchain, I think crypto art has just this broad scope of capturing all that, which I find is, is for me, advantageous. And you're also more likely to be right <laughs> saying crypto art than yes. NFTs, because <laughs> you know if you look at where Ra- Pepe, for instance, a lot of the cards right. are not NFTs. Right. They're know, tokens. Because there was no distinction between yeah. the cards each other. Yeah, they're they're basically right. they're fungible tokens, you know? And and so everything is NFTs. People talk about physical NFTs and like it's yeah, like no, you yeah, don't know what an NFT is. is. I mean that's that's <laughs> like
0: inherent in the Museum of Crypto Arts Manifesto, right? Like the first two lines. Like let's expand and look exactly. at like what is art and who decides. And like the the blockchain as a medium yeah. again for all sorts of conceptual art, right, to begin to tell like programmers Mm -hmm. then they're they're not like like it's not cold hard logic that you're dealing with but actually a very creative and artistic process to begin to design these systems um which you know and then again like a lot of the the nft gets reduced to just like marketplace innovation uh but i think it was more like a tremendous value creation and realization for the power of blockchain systems. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't even think we've touched on the fact that I can't imagine there is anybody more knowledgeable to like the history of this evolution and anybody more like suited to like speak to how certain things came to be, um, you know, we should certainly make mention of like the incredible timeline that you have created and host okay. on your own website. Uh I generally point people there as a first step when they begin to like look into again, like where is the art here, where is the formalism, mm-hmm. where is the practice, where is the academia? Um, and so much of it comes from you. So maybe uh, let people, of course, like know where that is, and perhaps like what compelled you to begin to compile this.
1: Sure. So it's at at, at my website. It's mlo dot art, and then slash history. It is. It is. It has right now as at, I think around like three hundred twenty-five milestones in the history. You know, dating back from two thousand. 13, 14, when we saw the first occurrence, up to, up to, uh, today, I <laughs> updated today. Um, but yeah, it kept, it, cap- it tries to capture, you know, like relevant, um, artworks, which at least were relevant in that sense that they gained either like media attention, were exhibited, were written about, um, it captures you know, the occurrence of of platforms, the occurrence of um you know, big moments, be it technologically or, or like advancing the space. And I think um it started really for me from from a more personal level because I when I when I first started working with like generative art, I worked a lot with like blockchain data, which is something I still like to do today, um, and creating like this real data to create basically my artworks, because I I like the idea, you know, as much as I also enjoy playing with, like, random functions and things like that, I I love the beauty that the data behind the visualization has a meaning. Um, So I was working for months on a piece, which was exhibited in 18 at the Canadian Centre for Architecture, where they were hosting, like, a blockchain event, and they were, like, looking for artists Mm -hmm. which are exploring the blockchain. Uh, so I was like super excited, you know. I have worked so long on the piece; it got great feedback. I was disappointed because I was the only <laughs> artist. Um, <laughs> I kind of hoped to meet some others, you know, but but that's okay. Um, so I was still so excited about all this. And then I discovered Rhea Myers, you know, had like similar concepts. But yeah, like four <laughs> years ago, so I was like, I was like yeah. floored, you know, I was floored. I wrote her like, hey, I did this and this. And she's like, oh, that's great. This is really cool. And then we chatted a bit. But like, you know, I thought, like, how can I, again, invest so much time? Because, you know, I did, like a lot of my pieces take so much time. How can I invest so much time if yeah. I don't even know what happened before? So I started kind of scanning, you know, like what what has happened, what were pieces which which were before, and I, I started writing a blog post about it. But I, I shortly noticed this is just too vague, you know, it's just too big to capture. So I started really putting this this bullet point list or, or a list together because you know the whole narrative then keeps changing too, right? I mean. When I started, you know, the, the entire discussion was like, oh, is it mm. Crypto Kitties or CryptoPunks, you know? But like, no, it was like, it was then it was like, okay, we have already like concepts like my soul, where we Meyer kind of tokenized right. her soul or, or wrote like this this smart contract, which you could trigger with the transaction mm. if it's hard or not. So a lot of conceptual pieces or like, you know, Kevin and Bosch in 2013 created like a the conceptual Bitcoin bank
0: right. out of yeah. wallet
1: hashes and things like that. Exactly, so all these things, you know. So the narrative kept changing, and I thought with the with the with the timeline, I, I allow myself to add elements without having to rewrite it over and over and over again. So what I'm doing right now is is I still try to to write it together or put it together, but like more in a in a general view, you know, to explain like okay. Um, that this is a movement and for me it is a movement that derived in the Cypherfunk group, right? Where we had like the strong advocates for privacy, for self-governance, for you know, having the right to choose if you're anonymous or not. And then, you know, we shift towards, like, this is so abstract, people don't understand it. So we need something to kind of make it tangible. So we need material- materiality. And, and that shifted the whole discussion towards, like, physical bitcoins, uh, yes, which is of so course, absurd yeah, if you think yeah. about it, right? But in 2016, there were, like, almost 60 manufacturers of physical bitcoins, you know, because that was just the biggest biggest interest back then you know like we need a discussion piece we need to show people what it is and and then you know in in a moment of like when the silk road controversy happened right and i think that was something which is very very important is because that was a moment where everything bitcoin and blockchain got rejected out front you know because oh this is just like illegal this is just like for you know drug Drug addicts or or like yeah. perverts or whatsoever. So everything Bitcoin and, and blockchain was bad. So out of out of this same kind of time range, we have now the discovery of Dorian Nakamoto, right? Which I found was such an important pivotal moment because we were kind of like looking at a group which was very very small and cohesive, but was still lacking some sort of identity and. And Dorian Nakamoto, even though very quickly you know identified as not the founder of blockchain, has still become the prophet. The you face, know, like he's still depicted yeah. in artwork until today, because we embraced even a wrong right. prophet more than none. You know, we needed some sort of identity for it, and I think these are like the elements which I try to right now put together, like more in a text form. So it's kind of you know you don't have to because it's sometimes hard if you have like this timeline with these over 300 milestones to see maybe the connections or the patterns in between and to contextualize it with what happened with the blockchain history so I try to you know make it a little bit more comprehensive to see or, or at least write about the connections and and maybe um things which influence each yeah. other from my point of view
0: uh, I I just think it goes back to speaking as like crypto art as the larger medium than, you know, NFT art. Um, mm-hmm. Right, because, yeah, you know, a big interest to me, of course, in the beginning was, was the idea of crypto art again as that visual language that would help spread the adoption of cryptocurrency, right? And yes. if we kind of... Um, you know, and here I am, of course, in like a church, right? Who has better than like spreading, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a message through imagery than, than the church. Uh, and in that, like you need, you need profits. Like humans are the same. We need the same stories and we need them in mm-hmm. digestible ways. Um, and I, you know, at the end of the day, believe that cryptocurrency is more stable better money for the world Um, and like you need the image and symbology and it almost also speaks to a lot of the early arts you know people criticize for being you know childish or screensaver-ish or uh, but I think it's almost like post form and it's conceptual right Mm -hmm. like we needed those images of Vitalik we needed those ethereum symbols um, to begin to, like, speak to the people that were involved in the community that were able to, as you say, kind of, like, make that abstraction of not needing the physical Bitcoin, but of Bitcoin as an idea and representative of, mm-hmm. of larger values. Um, Absolutely. So it all, you know... How do you feel as somebody, you know, who was kind of like early vanguard, early historian of this space, um, you know, the the rush to market perhaps of all digital artists, uh, do you think it will pass as a fad and it will return to crypto art? Or do you think the promise of like marketplace innovation Uh, will continue to pull artists and those artists will pull in additional collectors.
1: A lot to unpack here. (laughs) I know, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe one, one quick point. Um, The interesting thing is that NFT art was very, very promoted by these original crypto artists, which wanted to differentiate them from themselves. For like new artists coming into the space, not interested in the technology or in the spirit of crypto right. at all, which I found was quite interesting to see because basically they, they saw, like, okay, and this is maybe where I'm just going to loop back and say, like, introduce like blockchain related art, what this was for me, because everything blockchain related was either playing with the blockchain conceptually, using it um, as a theme. You know, in in very early so maybe like Nilly like Coins, very Nilly coins, sophisticated color coins, later coins, on.
0: The My Soul Project, yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. And then you know, you can even use it as a, even if you use it as a method of payment. It was for me blockchain related art because you know we're looking right now where everybody knows what it is. But if, if for instance there was an an auction in England where. Um, I forgot I forgot his name now, that um, he basically sold his entire collection for Bitcoin and it was so unheard of that it made yeah. like international news and it really promoted the technology, you know. So from a standpoint today, it is not something special, but using crypto as like a payment method for your art was, you know, in 2016, 2015 sure. was quite groundbreaking. Um, so a lot of these elements had like if they were not part you know if they did not encompass the history of blockchain and whatsoever for the original crypto artists this new wave of digital artists was kind of mm-hmm. lacking this knowledge right now lacking this passion lacking the idea of we want to promote the technology we want to promote a solution here an alternative and they're just using it as a medium so that's where a lot of them tried to promote actively okay you're doing nft art you're not doing crypto art you know it was almost like a you know reducing it and and which is which i find quite fascinating you know um yet as everything is evolving i think we have to return to the crypto art because we are just so much more and so much um wider project which we need to capture but moving forward i think um I always found that, you know, throughout the last four years, that um, the amount or influx of artists and the value of crypto is some sort of correlating. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I think, look, I, I think when you um, invite
0: like creatives like this into such a blank slate, but powerful technology, mm-hmm. right, you are just inherently increasing the future potential of that technology. Right, because people will bring all sorts of new ideas and I mean it is certainly no coincidence that, you know, I think prices have like risen and have been more stable and we have really almost won in facilitating that like outer ring of adoption beyond like technologists and even so far as to put it like into the mainstream. Like people may not own Ethereum or Bitcoin, but like they own NFTs now and mm-hmm. there are ways to like take a credit card and buy an nft and that is probably for a lot of people going to be their first introduction to blockchain technology uh because absolutely
1: people- are yeah art became the communicator of this technology right i mean yeah. it was so abstract nobody wanted to know about it but now we have like something which is so contemporary you know like it's it's meme culture right and now we have like basically memes and and, and art which is so easy to understand and, it's, and guess what it's already like a functional use case since so many yeah. years right so people can get around the idea because this is something they are very familiar with this is not about it educating about, like, inflation and, you know, limited <laughs> really? supply and proof of work. This yeah. is about, like, this is the digital medium, like something you're used to from your games yeah. or whatever, but this is actually really yours yeah. now, you know? So you pay with this digital money for the digital asset. So so it really facilitated this whole discussion and, and showcased a use case which was actually working. And it was a positive use case because it introduced, you know, ideas which were which were life changing for uh, artists, such as royalties right. and things like
0: that. I mean yeah, yeah. You you see somebody like Xcopy who at this point must have, have made more in secondary sales than primary sales. It's just like absolutely, absolutely incredible. We we see mm-hmm. people go in and out um but you know the generally the people who have been around from the beginning have stayed. Uh and it's yeah. it is a powerful community and kind of in like the last bit i just want to uh you know speak to your work in montreal you know the conference that you hosted i think 200 mm-hmm. plus artists uh mm-hmm. a free conference that you know you put on i think with the help of offenas oficinas tk oficina yeah. sdk um and in the middle of like a raging bull market in nfts right you you just opened up you know a space you should speak to it tell tell everybody (laughs) (laughs) tell everybody what you did i was only there um and was you know incredibly grateful to be there
1: thanks um no we were really happy to have you because um so so it started really like like Jean, who was the, the co-organizer, she was reaching out to me because she wanted to do something with 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 NFTs, and she was working on an idea to propose to the city. Um, so, you know, we were working on a proposal which did not come through like as like a funded project, but I was always pushing, to, like, we need a conference, we need a conference, right? So, really, the idea was that, you know, all these conferences are happening around North America or the world, but really nothing, despite such a huge creative pool in Montreal was happening in Montreal. And the idea was, okay, why don't we put together a conference which addresses exclusively artists? You know, like Let's take this group of people who are one of the most interested in it, but let's remove them from all The collectors let's remove them from all the people who are speculators and let's just make an educational event guiding them through this maze of like you know complex technical terms and scams and and you know new currency ideas and and conceptual art and try to put something together in two days um which really can serve as like a starting point to get started, or at least get an idea of it so you can form your own opinion if you like it or not, or if you want to get started or not. But, you know, you have at least heard the pros and cons to form like an opinion. And um, we were extremely grateful, you know, that great speakers like yourself were able to... uh, Join us and and in this little gallery in Montreal. I think we had like really some of the biggest names in crypto. You know, we had we had you, we had Jason, uh, we had Shivani there. We had like like so many great artists in Montreal already, which were dabbling in the space but didn't know each other. And it it really created like a little community event. We were a little bit unfortunate because um, we had quite a bit of more core fuse than whatsoever, that um, we had to keep the discussion more on Twitter than with the future events, but I think now it's the time where we can start to really move this idea and and going towards like a, a regular meetup for artists just to drop in, you know, chat, exchange ideas, ask their questions and give them give them a place where they can get like unbiased or like at least info and feedback, which is not with an agenda. And I think
0: it's like a wonderful place to, uh, conclude because it, it just speaks to, Mm -hmm. it speaks to you, right? It speaks to the values you hold. It speaks to the core of this community. Um, it's an invitation for people to not rush, right? To begin to like meet people, understand, figure out the why and i think once you derive the why you begin to see the value uh and once you get there like imagination and skies, the sky is really the limit um yeah. so just like sincere gratitude for all that you do uh for like the history you keep and the space that you hold uh thank you again for joining me uh you know martin Lucas ostakowski artist Colborne Bell, Museum of Crypto Art, and thank you to DeMinti for producing. Breaking news.